0: The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code VEGAS for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. This is Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good karma brands radio station.
1: Here comes
2: Live from the riverfront in Peoria, Illinois, this is the Waddle and Sylvie show on a Bears Monday. Now, more with Waddle and Sylvie.
1: ESPN Chicago.
3: If you really want more, to... scream it on 37-yard line Bears territory. They're right to left. Herbert on the right hip of Justin Field. A pair of receivers left. They're going to quickly screen it to the near side. DJ Moore blocked from Moody. Springs it free. 45-50. DJ Moore. Let's start of line 30. 20. Big chase by Titans, but they can't get him. Touchdown. Touchdown Bears. DJ Moore introduces himself to the Bears fan base. In a big
2: way. Turn down the gas. It was to the end zone for the touchdown.
0: It's great stuff right here on ESPN 1000, your official home of Bears football. We've got Bears and Colts this Saturday. Remember, all your stuff begins at four hours before the game. And uh, we can't wait for more. And it's going to be a very busy week, too, because the Bears go down to Indy and they will have the practices with the Colts, so we'll find out more during the week about the Bears. We'll check in with Courtney Cronin here in about an hour from right now. We've got Joniak and Thayer alongside. Let me ask you a real quick question. I, Jeff, when you hear your voice, you've been doing
4: this forever. When you hear your voice... How do you feel? Like, are you like, I, boy, I could listen to that guy all day? Are you no. overly critical of yourself yeah, when yes, you hear am, your own
3: No, calls? it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I, I, hadn't hear, I hadn't heard these yet, yeah. so this is all new to me here today. Uh, you just hope you capture the moment. That's it. You yeah. know, if you didn't, you're going to be mad at yourself. Yeah. Uh, you can't but... even
2: tell he's reading.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and, you know, it's, it's this thing in preseason. Do you, do you still go full throttle, yeah. but because of the type of plays that happen yeah, yeah you just uh, it's it's a natural thing you're just going to lose your mind a little bit because it was uh, two quick plays boom in then in the end zone, big long play, so yeah, you know you got to treat it like a regular season game, even though it isn't
0: normally i would I would send it to you guys, you guys are our guests and everything i let me just start because I want to build off that highlight, and like my biggest takeaway, and there are so many places that we can go with this. But I have sounded like a broken record. And um, when it, the day that I walked in. For 16 years? Yeah. Thank you, Waddle. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's uh, an. Uh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said that You that thought that you brain. were just thinking that. I thought, it was, yeah. It, was just, a big it bubble just came over Did it yeah, come out? Right, sorry thank about you. that. Um, the day that we walked into OTAs, I was standing next to Waddle. And Waddle, like, especially with wide receivers, Waddle can identify guys right away. and like DJ Moore, you, you've known, is a, an established presence in this league. It was the, the name that Ryan Poles had to hear to make that trade. And, and he wasn't going to make that trade until he heard DJ Moore was included. Waddle and I were on that day that they made that trade. And we walked into the first OTA practice, and there was Fields feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And Waddle looked at me and he goes, he's going to catch 105 passes. <laughs> and then we kept coming to OTAs mini camps, and then every training camp practice. And every day, no matter what, no matter who was in and who was out, there was DJ Moore on that field, playing hard, making plays. Whether it was a play over the middle, whether it was a play on the sideline with his footwork, with his hands, the strong hands, everything. Pro's pro. And I kept going on the air. And and sometimes fans didn't like to hear it saying, Justin didn't have a good day today. But you know who did stand out? DJ Moore. Or today was a good day for the offense. You know who made another great play? DJ Moore. And I kept saying, and I go, guys, DJ Moore is legit. Like, DJ Moore is so freaking good. I tweeted out. And, I, and what you said about the introduction, I was so glad on the third play of the game that here he is. And he's very good in Carolina. And I'm hoping that with this match made in heaven between Justin and DJ Moore... That maybe superstardom and maybe that next tier of receiving stardom is on the horizon for DJ Moore. Because he's still a young receiver in this league. And to me, I know it's preseason. I'm not going to go gaga over stuff I see in the preseason. But the dude is so legit. And I am so excited on what he means for this team as a player inside the locker room, a player in the way he practices and a player in the way he brings it on the football field every day. So that was my biggest takeaway, and I was so excited to see that.
3: Well, I like what the Bears uh, tweeted out. One plus two equals six. <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, and hopefully it's a ton of those. Uh, we talked about it on the phone yesterday, the yards after the catch, which the Bears were dead last in the league last year, in a lot of different categories in the passing game, obviously, but that cat put together nearly 1,200 yards the last three years after the catch. So uh, don't be uh, don't be worried about the short passing game like I want the short passing game to bring big dividends uh, with those kind of plays he's fast he's physical he'll break some tackles
2: as well, and I think he's not the only one you know to me i, I as much as I think of D.J. Moore, the development of Justin Fields is there's going to have to be another receiver involved in the mix, and I yeah. think Chase Claypool is that guy. I think he's a significant target. He's an eye-catcher for the quarterback. They can play a two-man game with two receivers like that. So as much as D.J. Moore is going to benefit from being uh, you know, a, a number one receiver in this offense, you put up a couple other complementary guys around him that are going to take away, thin out the coverage, it's either going to either open up more opportunities for DJ Moore, or you're going to see the Cole or the Claypool or Darnell or whomever else it may benefit Which from Which leads
3: it. me to this question, both of you guys, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. Uh yeah, you, you know, like 118 targets a year on average, I guess. I think Doug put together that card for us, Doug Coletti, our statistician. If that happens, is that a good thing, or is that a concerning thing for, for what the Bears offense, you want it to become this year?
4: 118. 108- targets for targets
3: for the season or would, for Claypool you, no 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 for DJ All oh, for DJ well, do you want that or do you want to spread it around no, I think, you want I, to spread I, the th-
4: wealth around I, I think I think you will spread the wealth around because teams will clamp down on him a little bit and Justin will be forced to go somewhere else and that's why I think Darnell Mooney will be a tremendous beneficiary of having DJ on the field remember you guys know better than anybody if you're watching that game especially from the perch you guys are at you know, you can see a team shade over the top for Mooney because he was really their only legitimate threat. Well, guess where that shade's going this year? It's going over the top of DJ. So what does that leave? That leaves Mooney alone with probably their second or third best corner, which I think will will benefit Darnell Mooney quite a bit. So I think it'll even itself out. I, I, I don't think that he'll only look at DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore's their best player regardless of position. So... I would want the volume to be there for him. I want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible.
2: I don't want him to, the coaches that unrealistically think that DJ Moore is the savior of this team, I still want the running game to be a major influence in the backfield, whether it's RPOs or straight handoffs to running backs, because that's where you influence the front seven to make big play opportunities for the receivers.
3: I think at this point what we can project and hope for, and if guys play to their potential, is that, this whole theme of you, you affect every blade of grass. If you're a really good offense, you're affecting every blade of grass and hoping defenses have a hard time doing that with their personnel and find the mismatches where they, they can't. And I think they are closer to that yes. than they were for many years. Like, r- seriously, defending every blade of grass with every type, size, and style of player. Now, I mean, that's, that's the hope anyway. I'm not saying it's a guarantee going to happen, but... The run game is a big part of that. Justin and his, the scariness of Justin is a big part of that. If the screen game works like it did on a regular basis, wow, then now you got something else cooking. So. You know,
4: you asked what was your initial impression of the yeah, game. Yeah, what and was your big takeaway? And my biggest takeaway from the game was, and Jeff, you mentioned this a little bit a while ago, this team was dead last in Yak last year, I believe, and they were 29th in yards per game. You saw explosive plays. I get it. I mean, we can go through. I don't feel like I need to do the disclaimer, but we can. It's preseason. I'm not going to overreact to anything that was great. I won't overreact to anything that is bad. It is what it is. Were the Titans playing all their starters? No. So what? Like, all you can do is affect what you can affect out there. And what they did was they came up. I don't think that they had a a touchdown pass over 65 yards last year, right? So, like, they did something in the first preseason game that they hadn't done all last year. Big plays, yards after the catch, and like I don't care about the, 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 the distance the ball traveled. You know, I thought I said this to Sylvie on the way down. You know, I thought the best play of the entire game for me, and I came into this season as a fan, as I've said, do simple better. I want to see, I've seen the spectacular. I know it's in there. But I think if you can do the simple stuff more efficiently and more effectively, and more consistently, all the other stuff will come, to, you know, to fruition. I thought the pass to the first pass of the game that he threw to, to your fullback. When he saw traffic in the middle of the field, you got crossers and there's traffic here. And immediately what he did was he threw the flat to his fullback 11 yards. That, to me, is the best thing I saw the entire day on Saturday. And you may think, well, that's that's ridiculous. For me, it's not because that's what I want to see. I want to see them do the simple easy because that's an 11-yard gain, which reinforces that, hey, you don't have to affect the game consistently down the field. You can affect it. By throwing check downs into tight ends and running backs and and i thought it was just a great sign for, really the first
2: completion for patrick mahomes was that outlet check down yeah. pass yes. you know didn't like what he saw downfield throw it out and i think that's one of the biggest needs for justin yes. is trust his outlet receivers more than he trusts his running not more than he trusts his running ability but make sure he uses that group of receivers and specifically blasting game because uh
3: we saw some wheel routes in training camp last year, but it never did one right. <laughs> during the regular season. I think that guy can catch, and I think that's going to be an additional weapon. You know, uh, what, what did you say? That he didn't have a first down uh, last year? No, he didn't reception? have a touch. He didn't have a touch? No. No, he might have a... been a targeted once. He might have been targeted once in a past. That's the pass, incredible, but yeah. Jeff. No, he's, I think he's a really good player. I, and not just, you know,
4: Look at that, as well, a 20-snap pro- That's progress. Like, yeah. I get it. It's the first series or yeah, whatever yeah. it was of, of the first preseason game. But that has, has to become instinctual, and to make that play, again, I get it. Everyone says it's so basic, but it's got to be the foundation of what you do in your passing game, I think.
2: One of the first full padded practices last year in training camp, blasting game caught a wheel route about 40 yards downfield, and it wasn't an easy catch. It was an unbelievable over-the-top-of-your-head, falling-out-of-bounds catch. And Jeff and I looked at each other and said, man, this is an element that you add to this offense, can help the quarterback, can help everybody. Uh, can I let me
0: give you the yak stats too? Jeff and I were talking about this on the phone. Uh, Jacob Nitzberg from ESPN Stats and Info sent me this. I asked him about it. Um, again, and like Jeff said, and Waddle, I think you alluded to this as well. They were last in everything too. Right. So like it averages, like they're down on the bottom in everything. But to put it into perspective, the Bears had 1,132 receiving yak yards last year okay so just over 1100 yards in yak yards last year that's 116 fewer yak yards than the next closest team the 31st team had 116 more yak yards that was atlanta okay the top team the bears were just over 1100 yards of course the kansas city chiefs because they they do everything high so everything's going to go up But the Kansas City Chiefs had nearly 2,800 yards of yards after the catch. So they they have a lot of yards of everything. They're going, like Tom said, Thayer said, again, what they do is they do everything well. But they're going to use their, 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 their plays, their scripted plays well to get their wide receivers free. Mahomes is going to hit guys, too, in stride where they get more yak yards. But think about that. 2,800 oh. yards are yards right. after the catch I will say this compared to
4: 1,200 yards of the Bears. Okay, conversely, the Bears didn't really do – like the, the, the Chiefs do everything well. But Mahomes is also taking what is given. The Bears last year, let's just be honest, offensively didn't do things very very well. But that number, that low number, is also a product of Justin reading the field deep to short and sometimes being reluctant to take that check down. We saw him improve with that, I think, in the second half of the season. But that number is so low for a couple of reasons. That's why I get excited to see those basic plays even in preseason.
3: Also, though, the honest the story behind the numbers, as Ron Rivera always say, figures lie and liar's figure. Right. Um, They were number one in the league in rushing the football on a percentage basis and the fewest passing attempts in the NFL. Right. So, So that was by design also, so everything's going to be low. And I I don't imagine it'll be that kind of disparity this year because I think it was 65, 35. I think that was the percentage. 65% pass to, you know, I mean, 65 run, excuse me, to 35 pass. Um, So, you know, you're asking what? I've been talking about the line of scrimmage from the time the offseason started and how to improve it or whatever. So, again, like you said, Tommy, it's preseason. You value evaluate it the way it is. But when Zach Pickens got that first sack and I went back and watched, it was 2.4 seconds to the quarterback and, you know, whipped his man, made it made him a conflict with the two offensive linemen on the left side of their off, offensive line. But then as it built throughout the game, I couldn't help but talk about Travis Gibson. Yeah. So, again – Fourth on the depth chart, did it Did it spur something, or was it just the competition was what it was? But it wasn't just rushing the passer. He was whipping guys. They didn't know what to do with him. He, he lined up on both sides. He was stuffing the run as well, making it challenging or limiting runs, setting the edge on there, and he was just dipping under and creating leverage that they couldn't deal with. And I just thought that was uh, – uh, he got into a flow and a rhythm, and he was just going to win every snap. And I, I highlighted nine impressive plays like these are nine impact plays in the time he i don't know how many snaps he wound up with but nine just from him just from him did he
2: have nine impressive plays all last year probably not i think he had two sacks within the first four games of the year and then i don't know if he had any
3: after but i mean but then it was just it was it wasn't just him though i mean the the other guys down the line as well terrell lewis again Bending, having the ability to get to the quarterback like that. Does that give a guy confidence? You know, you have to put up a caution flag, though. It was Greg Blosh one year. It was, you know, I can't remember the guy's name. He had a four sack game in the. Oh, my God. I go to Greg. Is, is this like a hidden gem? He goes, Please. Right. He goes, He had all camp wait, ready to go before. And then he does it on the. No. You know, so you just never know. But uh, there were a bunch of guys that were kicking butt on the line of scrimmage. And same for the offensive line as well. There were were some really good performances on the offense. I'll leave that to Tommy. But um, overall, the line of scrimmage is where they have to grow and be bad yeah, but, there, you
2: know, so. you watch one-on-ones during practice, and you see Jalen Harris win battles. Yeah. You see Travis Bell win battles in kind of a unique style of a 6-foot, 300-plus-pound guy that offensive linemen have to have a different approach to. When you, um, you talk about Terrell Lewis and stuff, that's what I'm, I was complimenting the coaching earlier because all of these guys, Travis Smith is the defensive line coach, all these guys are well-schooled in practice, so when they do get in front of an opponent, They can do it a little bit better than they're doing in practice.
4: How did you uh, evaluate what you saw from, uh,
2: from Darnell Wright? I love Darnell Wright since the moment he got here. Yeah. You know, the thing about it, T. Waddles, is when you look up stats and you know when you look at the Bears' uh, failed third and one and third and two conversions last year to keep the drive alive, keep the offense on the field, allow the defense to rest a little bit more, they didn't have that bona fide go-behind guy that you knew that you were going to get it even if you told the guys, hey, we're going to run right here behind this guy. Darnell Wright gives you that opportunity. And I think if Nate Davis comes aboard and starts giving that veteran impact to a rookie like Darnell Wright, I, I think you can have a power right side of the offensive line that can be that obvious. When you need it, you know where to go. What, what, do you, I don't know if you saw the
0: breakdown on, uh, on Twitter of Tevin Jenkins' play on one of the screens for a touchdown that he sort of went the wrong way and he's using the technique. Is that him just getting used to the, the left guard spot as opposed to the right
2: guard spot? So you're saying he had a mental error? Yeah, Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And so you can't have mental errors. So you got to know by the huddle call what direction you're going to go on, especially if a screen, they usually call the direction you're going to go. It's screen right, screen left. So, you know, just uh, filtering the terminology more efficient when you go to the line of scrimmage. And I, it could have been an audible even where, you know, you got to make sure that you stay in tune with the quarterback's yeah. cadence. I think it was uh, the Khalil Herbert play. Wasn't yeah. it in Waddle? Yeah, I think, I
4: think it was, uh, was it Brian Schwartz who was— was,
0: who Jeff, Schwartz. Jeff Schwartz, I'm yes. sorry,
4: that broke it down. A former offensive lineman for the Giants, I think, is where he was. Yes, yes. As yes. he was looking at it. Yeah. Hey, I was going to ask you as well, how excited are you that, I, I, and I think it was something that, that everyone was highlighting, that nearly half of the roster has got two years of experience or less. So it is a young group of exciting players, and they are totally in a, obviously they're in a build mode. But but they are valuing youth and oh, yeah. and, and, and and you know, I thought just thought that the 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 percentage of players that were were two years or less was just incredible.
2: You know, Jeff brings it up all the time. That's one thing Matt Eberflew said when he was hired. He's not afraid to play young guys. Yeah. And I think young guys kind of lights a fire out of underneath veterans. Because if you're a veteran and you think, oh man, I'm all set and you know my name is already written on the back of my jersey, that's not that's not so. Because football is a young man's game and it's getting younger. So if you're a guy that comes in here with skill and power and all the assets you need according to your position, you're gonna you, play just well, I mean he told me that the other night when, uh,
3: when I went in there to interview him before the game and we were talking about different guys that we we're gonna play or whatever and he goes well you know how I feel about young guys and I go ah, I love how you feel about young guys you know <laughs> get them out there and they're hungry right now they're hungry they haven't been fed yet right yeah. They haven't been fed yet. I, lo- I love that like, there are so many coaches who feel the opposite.
0: 100%. And, and I, 100%. Hate that. I hate that. I do, too. L- like, 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 I do let too. them grow. Like, is They're it the nervous, nervous about it. You, the, I know they make mistakes, Tom. Like, well, you were just talking about the men owners, but yeah. the
2: way you develop them is by playing them. Hey, listen, my first professional head coach was George Allen, and he was so opposed to playing rookies and first-year guys, he would rather trade yeah, the first over 1st hill gang <laughs> for yeah. a reason. But he traded first round picks multiple years throughout his NFL career because he would rather trade it for an experienced veteran. This is the Mm -hmm. worst thing that you could hear. If
3: if you find out there's coaches, you know, sometimes coordinators, you know, they help in the process to bring guys in. You know, everybody has to cross check tape when you bring guys in. And they say, yeah, you sign off on them and then you get them I can't coach him. Yeah, he's he's not what I thought. Well, you know what? That's your job as a coach. That's why the one thing about Matt, and I I, I, I love that I, he says this all the time, and, and you have to step back and think. Okay, is that just, you know, just something you say? But he holds the coaching staff legit accountable for developing players. He's not blaming just the player for not fulfilling their potential. He's blaming it on the, the assistant coaches. You have to get it out of them. We're teachers. That's what. You, and he's big on this. Like it's not a. He's not just saying that for show because he wants to have a big hug with his coaching staff. Jeff, we've ho- t-
4: we've talked about this in the yeah. past too on the show. Like one we had a things- conversation
0: in the car on the way here about a player. Yeah, well, you I remember be- who Eddie Jackson. Yeah, who Do was I mean? who was the comp? The uh, was Tim Anderson. Now, no, I don't know if everyone will agree with this. Eddie Jackson at one time was the hot. Uh, you know, boisterous leader of the secondary under Matt Nagy. Remember? He's making big plays. You know, and and everyone loved Eddie Jackson. And then all of a sudden, the chirping got a little bit too much, and the production went down, and he didn't like to tackle. Remember, then he found his way into the doghouse at the end of the Nagy run. But Eberflus wasn't scared to put his arm around him, nurture him, and say, look, I need you, yeah, and and we're gonna try and get get you back to what you were, and then what did he do? He, what, d- he, what, what, he wasn't he, his big turnover year with Fangio, though. Yeah, it was because yeah, you know well, with, with Fangio, but then didn't he fu- come out of favor though at the what, after Fangio left? So Fangio leaves, and then. At the end of the nag, didn't, didn't
2: again. Turnovers and tackles are two different commitments to the game. Right,
0: right. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, no doubt. But, 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 I but he do- fell out of favor again, and I thought Eberflus did a really good job of, of bringing him back. And I think that's something that
3: Tim, Tim Anderson could use from a new <laughs> coach. In a new way, Matt doesn't care what you did, it's what you're gonna do for me now, what you guys are gonna do. So like to say clean and and prove me until you can.
2: Prove it to me until you can. So I brought this to Jeff early. So now with these this young generation with all the different social media, you can make all these claims about what you're gonna do. And so when he made a claim earlier this offseason that he's gonna have a year of one of the best safeties in the history of the Bears, you better go look up the history of the Bears in the safety position to see where that position's at. And then okay, if you make that claim and you surpass it, I'm I'm all for you. Congratulations because you made a commitment and but there's other guys out there, you know, Dak Prescott's not going to show throw as many interceptions. Justin's going to throw for 4000 yards. You know, if you make these claims, that they, you know, they stick with you. It's yeah. going to be interesting because
3: going to Colts, Iberfluska is going to, you know, one of his coaching stops, obviously, and it was very successful there uh, as a defensive coordinator. That's why he's in a head coaching position. But uh, there are players there that were undrafted guys. Nobody felt that much about them, and he, he got them out there and playing them. I and Kenny Moore, the nickel, got the, became the highest-paid nickel in the NFL, and... Uh, from Beldasta State, and that's somebody that he's, he brings him up all the time. That's one, one of my guys that he believed in, and look at what he believed in. The guy turned into an outstanding player. May not may not have checked every box for every team, but you got to coach him and you, you put him in your system, and everybody fits what you want to do. And this is what he wants to do. You got to you got to do it a particular way for Matt. But if you do, you're going to be on this roster.
4: I, I felt also that, like, and I think it's a, re, a residual from good coaching, I think that procedurally, even when they were struggling last year, their 3-14 and 14 team, I never really fought, felt like they were, like the coach wasn't in charge. I felt like Matt did a really nice job getting his less talented team ready to compete, and they weren't making a ton of silly mistakes. Like, and I thought in the game Saturday... They, yep. they were controlled. Yeah. You didn't see a bunch of jumping off. You don't want penalties. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I, he's proud of the fact that they are one of the few, you know, lowest penalized teams. And same with his defenses in uh, Indianapolis. That won't sit well with him if they are.
0: All right, guys, uh, I want to get to Waddle's world coming up next. There's some crazy stories out there today, too. Joniak showed me one, Waddle. I don't know if you saw it. I'll bring it to your attention. I don't know
4: if I go to the same sites that Jeff goes to. What sites are those? I don't
0: know. We're broadcasting live today from the Sun Plaza of the Peoria Riverfront Museum. It's the only multidisciplinary museum of its kind in the nation and organizes self-curated and visiting exhibits of five major galleries. We were awed getting the tour before. This is a great place to live and work and talk Bears football today. It is Waddle and Sylvia with Joniak and Thayer. Waddle's World is coming up next. Chicago Cubs baseball is on Marquee Sports Network all season long. Tune in tomorrow at 7.05 when the Cubs take on the White Sox. In game one of the two-game series at Wrigley Field, Tune in at 6 o'clock for Cubs Live, the award-winning pregame show. And stick around after each game for Cubs postgame live. For the full schedule, visit marqueesportsnetwork.com. It's that time again
4: Waddle's World. Tom
1: Waddle did have to use a lot of smelling salt.
4: Oh, that's right, John. Waddle's World brought to you by our fine friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. Find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank. Visit Wintrust.com slash finest member FDIC. Jeff, I got a great story about A spider. ...whose bite leaves a very strange... I don't like spiders. Okay, well, maybe then I... And I nope. don't know if it's family-friendly. Do you story have a an anyway. macrophobia?
3: No, um, but I don't like spiders. Yeah, I, I Just
4: remind me to tell you about this, whether on the air or off a little bit later. Okay. You'll get a kick out of it. Okay? It's a spider story. <laughs> why off the air? And why me? Uh, you got to peruse the audience to just make <laughs> yes. sure it's, it's proper for all, all people involved. Anyway, uh, I know that this was a story that you guys were talking about a little bit earlier... A blindside subject, the movie Michael Orr, alleges that the Toohey's made millions of dollars off of a lie about him being adopted. Retired NFL star Michael Orr, whose supposed adoption out of grinding poverty by a wealthy white family was immortalized in the 2009 movie The Blindside, petitioned to Tennessee court today with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. A 14-page petition filed in Shelby County, Tennessee alleges that Sean and Lee and Toohey, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never adopted him. Instead, less than three months after he turned 18 in 2004, the petition says the couple tricked him into signing the document, making him, uh, making them his conservators, conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. Boy, this was one of the best feel-good stories oh, yeah. Uh, of the time, you know, back in two thousand and nine, and to hear that this was actually the uh, the reality of it is uh, depressing. Yeah.
3: Uh, uh, alleged, of course. However, right. why'd you wait so long?
4: Right. Uh, did you know that the movie earned more than three hundred million dollars? Yes, the movie itself.
3: It was a great I, it movie. Was a great, great, movie. Story. great story.
0: Every time he played, everybody that was talked cited. about it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, of course. The you subject of the blind. Side. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. was yeah. a good movie. Big Sandra yeah. Bullock fan. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
4: No doubt. Big, I'm that big Tim McGraw fan too. Big Love fan of Tim Bowl. McGraw. Yeah. yes. Anybody else you're a fan <laughs> of in that movie?
0: It's just, you never know. We talk about this know, all the yeah. time.
2: You never know who you the never, good guys, We never know the, the good, good guy, what the too. real stories are. The young kid in the movie that an engaging personality yes. that looked like they developed a good friendly relationship. And if that family did come in and support him to the point where. They kind of, you know, push some off good game out yeah. of it.
3: Yeah.
0: Except, except he's claiming now they stole all his money, right? Isn't that what well? He's no, he's kind of suggesting
3: they they used him to make money, right? right. Yes. yes, that they made but.
0: money due to him.
3: Yeah. Right.
4: Interesting. Uh, this is a story for Tom. Thayer in case he would like to uh, do the same. Peyton Manning's returning to Tennessee as a professor.
3: I did hear that. Professor of what, though? What are we we doing?
4: Communications. Communications. uh, The College of Communications and Information has appointed Manning as a professor of practice in the fall 2023 term. The Hall of Fame quarterback will join select classes during the academic year as a featured expert and work alongside the college's faculty to provide learning experiences for CCI students at Tennessee.
3: Well, I'll tell you one thing. He'll hold them accountable. He's not going to be just
4: giving these
2: guys A's. They're going to have to work for oh, it, Oh, For sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. Tom, did yes. you ever have any urge to go back to Notre Dame and be a teacher?
2: If they t- turn me into a professor, I'm a communications major. They should, uh, you know. Have I didn't know. I actually did not know what your degree was until right
3: now. Well, it comes, from the,
2: it comes from the College of Arts and Letters, which communication is part of that college because it's broken down into different colleges. Hardest class yeah. you ever took? It was a, a calculus in summer school. <sighs> Don't even tell me.
3: I That's took a stats class. Don't
2: even want to this know. day,
4: it's just like... I had to take that. Stats was tough. Because it was so
2: hard?
0: Yes. <laughs> oh, stats was calc- just murder. What's that? Did you take calculus? No, I took intermediate algebra to fulfill my math requirement at Southern. Inter- intermediate algebra? Uh-huh. That
4: was yeah. right before volleyball. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I took basketball as a class. See? I took advanced algebra. My We were on quarter. I took advanced algebra and got a D and was arrogant enough to think I'm going to go past calculus now. So I forego taking that over F in Calc 101. Wow, F? Third, third quarter F. What? Again. You had an F on your I transcript? Go back, I go back to my sophomore year. Now we're in semesters. I got an, a do C. The Bears- I got a C going into the final. Hold on. Do the Bears Hang on. this? A do C they- going into the final. I can't do story problems. I can't. To this day, I have nightmares that I didn't graduate because I have to so the test was 20 story problems. I turned it in blank. What? Left, burned the book in the garbage can behind Buchanan Hall, and then went to a physics final, and I just filled in. all. I, I gave up. Does George know about this? <laughs> that was a meteorology program. Do you have like your degree? Do, yes, I do. I did very well <laughs> after that. So you just had to get out of the math? I can't do math. Math-related nope. classes. Can't do math. So you had To a the point that Doug Coletti... On field goal attempts, I'll go. <laughs> you got to give me the math on the field. I can't do the. I'm, not, I'm under pressure. And right, right. Can't do so, it. So Tom, no, you yeah.
4: you are you are comforted by the fact that you know Joniak is never going to be a fantasy football guy because he can't stand math and he can't do the math. So he's not going to bring that nonsense into your book. He you don't no, like math
2: either. No. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not a, a big math guy myself, but I also don't play fantasy football. So you know, I'm not against it. No. Just don't bring him in the You're booth. You're just not for it. Yeah.
0: How
4: do, we get, how, how, how do
2: we get you on Twitter? Oh, oh my you. gosh. How do it's we get you sh- on Twitter? I, uh, Sylvie, I'm too thin-skinned. I'm too responsive to people that may oh. say something negative about all of us. And He's the- got protective instincts. Yeah. Do you, are you on any social media?
3: Negative. No. I have
2: a phone okay. number.
4: Well, that's not social media. That's <laughs> no. just on. You have a, you a on cell Facebook?
0: phone. It's, no. It's a social phone.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> Call me. We
4: should start a Facebook page for you. No, it. no, I'm not. I'm not, and I'm not don't do and that. Run it for
0: it. Okay, I get my ass kicked.
4: You know
2: when when I first met Danny and Keith, they say we were looking you up on social media. We can't find you. <laughs> How do we find you? And I go, well, I'm not on it. And Danny goes, well, you should consider it. And I go, well, if you fire me because of one of my responses, <laughs> I might not be here very long. That's right, yes.
4: Jeff. You want the you want the uh, spider story?
2: Yes, let's. I sure. This. I don't know why you're you're
3: tormenting me, but go ahead.
4: Spider capable of causing permanent erection shuts down an entire supermarket. An Australian supermarket has been temporarily shut down after one of the world's most dangerous spiders was discovered in a box of bananas. The Brazilian wandering spider, which potentially roamed the aisles of a supermarket owned by the Rue Retail Group in a town of uh, town 45 miles west of Vienna, was spotted, according to the local newspaper. A bizarre side effect of the spider's bite is its ability to cause painful, hours-long.
0: Uh Very exciting.
3: Mm.
4: The side effect Mm. that everybody who gets stung by the spider will experience along with the
0: pain and discomfort. Jeff, you have thoughts? Sorry for those folks. I I have a a would you rather. It's
4: not the only symptom from the the bite, Jeff.
3: Yeah, but you went there. Well, no, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Within (laughs) 30 minutes
4: of being bitten, victims can experience rapid changes in blood pressure and heart rate, blurred vision, and convulsions, according to the newspaper. Which would you consider to be the most uh, painful portion of the uh, ah. the effects?
2: I'd say the convulsions. Yeah, good thing Jeff. Issue. Good thing Jeff doesn't like bananas. <laughs> you don't like bananas? <laughs> I don't know where he came from. Because that. yeah,
3: that's where they found the spider. Yeah, that's right. You're right. afraid of spiders. Then. Yeah, I don't. I know. I didn't say I was afraid. I didn't like them.
0: What, the would you rather out of this is. Would you rather get bitten by a spider that you get the permanent erection or bit by the spider where you never get an erection? Oh. Wow, that was a that was
4: a route I didn't think we were gonna go.
3: But and I'm not going. Yeah. I'm sitting right here. Come on, Come on, Jerry, you gotta, you? Jeff, I'm not, Jeff, you've got to answer the question. No, I can't answer yes. the question. Come on. Yes. No, I'm not answering the spider question. Spider number one or no, spider number no. two? There's gotta be a spider number three somewhere. No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And this is a spider that's just right. Next, next option next. is death. Waddles
3: War
4: is uh, a very, I, I, very dangerous I do, uh, place. I, I, can, I, can, uh, I can veer it back into the world of sports. Uh, according to Ian Rappaport, the Patriots are expected to sign former Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott to a one-year deal worth up to $6 million after his successful free agent visit earlier in camp.
3: Fits kind of the theme for Belichick over the years. Corey Dillon. Yes. Uh... Who was the big thumper back they had early in their Super Bowl days? Free agent. Just well, you mentioned blank.
0: Dylan. Um, why am well, I going? Antoine blank?
3: Smith. Antoine. Uh, uh, nah,
0: well, anyway. No, it's not Antoine Randall L.
4: On- <laughs> Who said that?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> By the way, big dude, back. I, I mean, are you guys? Do you, how do you feel about the
2: devaluing of the running back position these days, Tom? Uh, <laughs> Understandable. You know what I mean? it's, it, uh, yes, but you know it's you know six million dollars guaranteed is still a lot of money. Yeah. It, it's not like we're going to have a tag day for the running back position when the season's over and distribute the money to them. It's just part of the distribution of finances and the role and the importance of it. If you get a Derrick Henry or you get a guy that you see as as special as you can possibly be, you're going to pay still, for it. You're going to pay. Yeah,
3: coaches aren't devaluing. it. They want him. They need him. There's you got to have them. If you're going to go to the playoffs, you got to have them. If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you got to have them. I don't care where you get them from. Yeah. You're going to have to pay. some. You know, what this is what I was thinking because we've been talking about this now for a month. And Jonathan Taylor is as reported back is he said out of out of, the, out of the state getting ankle treatment. He apparently had something with that, but whatever. So, you get other NFL players saying, "Don't be a running back when you grow up." But some guy, you're built to be a running back. Yeah. you run fast enough. You get you. You're able to pass protect. You're able to catch the football. Guys are not. You're going to be made a running back. Of course. If you want to get to the league, you're going to have to
0: be a a running back. Shame. I'm only going to make $20 million. Right.
2: Not everybody has to end their career with $100 million. You know, I think if you're you're rewarded or you're paid well for what you do and how you contribute, and if you're a running back, an all-three-down running back, you're going to get paid handsomely. You're going to get paid. If you're a guy that you have some – inefficiencies or you don't do something well, then you're going to get paid accordingly. This
3: thing is going to be a topic all the way through next offseason. Yes, it's going it to be is. interesting what happens, were you th- if thi- anything. Were you thinking of LeGarrette Blunt? Is that who you were oh, thinking that's of? That's one of them, too, yeah. Because a lot of people there are switching. in Yeah that Yeah, that, that's the guy. That's yeah. one of the guys. That's there's the guy. another one, too.
0: Alright, uh, right now, uh, let's... Uh, Spider!
3: Uh, no. <laughs> 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 that's good, though, Waddle. Very good. <laughs>
0: Give, uh, some football fest tickets right now. Caller number forty nine wins three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you don't win, don't panic. You could win next hour or the hour after that at four forty or five fifty, or you can still buy your tickets at Hard Rock Casino Northern Indiana dot com or Ticketmaster. Uh, remember, it's August twenty seventh from eleven in the morning till three in the afternoon. At the beautiful Hard Rock Casino, Northern Indiana. It's our best guest list ever. It is the initial visit for Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer to our football fest. We want you to welcome them with open arms, so buy your tickets today. Big Cat, Adam Schefter, Field Yates. Our entire ESPN 1000 lineup will be there. Jason McKee, who you're going to hear with Justin Fields coming up next, will be there as well. Uh, tickets are on sale right now again. Hard Rock Casino Northern Indiana.com. Uh, it is going to be an absolute blast. We're under two weeks away. So buy your tickets. Caller 49 wins 332 3776. We're broadcasting in Peoria. It is a great partnership with the greater Peoria area. We are having a blast, and you will hear that outstanding interview from Jason McKee with Justin Fields coming up next. Peoria, Illinois, site of our only preseason tailgate event. The Choose Greater Peoria Tailgater event. Waddle and Sylvie are there along with Jeff Joniak and Tom Fair. Keep it right here on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: Yes, here with Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Justin, could you have imagined this last night in your hotel room? Seven plays, perfect quarterback rating, two touchdowns. Can you assess the overall operation of the offense today?
5: Uh, yeah, I think you know the offense as a whole pretty much was a clean operation. Of course, we had some penalties, and uh, I think the one thing that we can do better is just take care of the ball with the turnovers, but... You know, i think with you know when 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 i was in at least you know it was a clean operation and you know uh dj and Khalil made it easy on my part it was just you know just just getting the ball in their hands and then making plays but um i mean yeah it was it was it was it was good to get the dub and of course it's good to see that boy dj uh his first catch go for a touchdown so that's 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 pretty cool to see
1: and you guys have been lights out in practice the chemistry is obviously there you guys putting in a lot of time in the offseason uh being down in south florida how has the addition of D.J. Moore, not as an individual, but how has he just elevated the play of everybody around him? I mean, yeah, of course, you know, uh, the guys
5: know that he's one of the best receivers on the team, so that's just bringing more competition into the receiver room, so, um, you know, there was, I think Bayless was saying a couple of weeks ago that, you know, D.J. makes him want to be better, so um, just, just, just competition in the receiver room, I think that's going to make them all better, you know, them all learning from him and his experiences, because uh, <laughs> he's been in the league for a good bit, bit now, but, um, you know, he's, he brings great chemistry to the locker room, and uh, he's 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 great for our team, so it's been good.
1: Uh, second year in this offensive system by uh, offensive coordinator Luke Getze. How comfortable are you in this system? I heard guys saying that you're calling your own plays now. Like, how much of a difference is, is it from last year to this year in terms of the offense?
5: Yeah, uh, I would say it's way different. You know, every time we go two minute in practice, you know, he lets kind of me handle that, uh, handle that stuff. So uh, just being able to do that, just being able to take you know complete control of the offense. And uh, I really take that next step within the offense is, uh, you know, great for everybody. You know, I think everybody has a better grasp of the offense. You know, they have a better understanding of it, the guys who were here last year. So um, it's uh,
1: been really good. It's been really good. Uh, what are some of the things that, that you worked on in particular uh, to, uh, to enhance your game? Um, you know, we know what happened last year. Uh, you were the guy that was called upon to make all the explosive plays. Uh, what What are some of the things that you worked on in the offseason just to enhance your game and development as a quarterback?
5: Um, yeah, just tighten up, you know, simple throw mechanics, um, you know, and just making sure uh, all of that was on, pour, on par, you know, watching film, see what I could have improved on. But, you know, I think there was, you know, there's so many things that I could have done better last year. But, um, yeah, so just, you know, attacking the film, you know, see what I could have done better and, and really just working on that. So, I mean, there was a, a, a bunch of stuff. But, um it's, it's it's so detailed, you know. I just don't wanna give you a big list of it, but yeah, just a lot of stuff though for sure.
1: Uh Bears you guys obviously revamped your offensive line. You bring in Nate Davis from Tennessee. You also draft Darnell Wright with the tenth pick. How have those guys looked? I know um, Nate hasn't practiced a lot, but how has Darnell looked in practice?
5: Yeah, I mean I think Darnell's learning. Uh, he's super talented, of course, you know, we all know that. Big body, but he's learning and uh he's he's very coachable, you know, he's willing to learn and uh, you know, I'm excited to see how he Progressed throughout the year, so, um, you know, uh, so far he's, he's he's been good, and, you know, of course he's still going to, you know, have his ups and downs, that's just how it is being a rookie, but I mean, up to this point, he's 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 been great, and he's you know attacking each and every, each and every day um, like he's supposed to. So definitely excited for him.
1: For sure. Let's talk about the defense. I know it's preseason, but a defense that had 20 sacks last year, they got eight today, and you know we've seen them firsthand in training camp, flying around. They've had you know their days, and you guys had, have had yours. Talk about the performance of the defense. Eight eight sacks, four takeaways today.
5: Yeah, I mean they they definitely uh, did their thing today. You know I say. You know, your defense is basically your offense. You know, when they uh, get their takeaways, they put us in great field position to, uh, you know, score a touchdown or get points in general. So um, I think the D line did a great job. Of course, you know, they did a good job punching the ball out. I think we could have got one more in the first play play of the game. I I I don't know. They have to uh, look at that one in the game. But I mean, yeah, defense did their thing today, and um, you know,
0: they they pretty much
5: helped us get the win today. So yeah. All
0: right, there was the interview that uh, ju- uh, that Jason McKee had. Uh, Over the weekend on Saturday with uh, Justin Fields. Really good stuff. The great stuff will continue on the Bears Radio Network as we continue to bring you the best stuff during all the Bears games. We've got another game for you on Saturday uh, with the entire crew coming up four hours before kickoff. The kickoff is at 6. We'll begin our broadcast that afternoon at 2 o'clock. And uh, we are live in Peoria. We have moved inside as one of my... uh, one of my friends uh, texted me. It said it sounded like Waddle was standing out in the middle of a tropical storm. So we have moved. I was. Uh, we have moved away from the wind. We are now inside the museum in Peoria. We have had a great partnership with the Greater Peoria area, and uh, we are going to talk to Courtney Cronin, who did cover Bears camp today. There was a practice today uh, at Hallis Hall. Courtney will let us know what happened at Hallas today. She is coming up next. It's Waddlin Sylvie with Joni Thayer. More coming up from Peoria next.